This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Kelly and Ramya. We're Ooh, here. Big welcome. Big, 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 big welcome as we hang out with you for the next two hours. And we do this daily, Monday to Friday. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Amadin. And Kelly's the treats are pouring in. As soon as I came in, they were like, you want donuts, you want muffins? And then uh, I hear about a massive amount of cookies that are out here. So I don't know. Is it the same at your house? Your home studio? There's always, there's yeah. always Snacks. goodies. Yeah, people always. are delivering treats to your door. A lot of them are in my mind. Oh. Well, of course, well, the neighbors. Those are the best kinds. Hallway. Without not, the calories. Not, you know. Oh, good grief, yeah. <laughs> oh, good heavens. Yes, yes, but the I, sweet I treats are around now. Broken that. As I told you yesterday about all those cookies that used to be there, that was just, it was ridiculous. And certainly the waistline didn't like it uh, at all. Well, I mean, it did. Just uh, go back to those tricks and tips on uh getting ready for the holidays remember that's you right had a clip and on that? basically as they say what did you say don't say eat don't no. drink yeah exactly mm. yeah or or be, be mindful you like that term mindful not when it comes to food no i don't like that term um <laughs> <laughs> not that progressive kels do you moisturize your hands in the winter uh yes yeah 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 i'm trying to think if i forever used to or, always uh, Recently, uh, I, I, I had Be a honest. mom that really was all about moisturizing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say hands, obviously, you're putting it anywhere else, your legs or whatever. Um, you, you're getting it on your hands. But did I stop later in the day and reapply? No. Oh, but you can't. Uh, the thing is, like, if you're regularly moisturizing your hands, I feel like it's similar to hydration, you'll just know if your hands are feeling super dry and then want to continue moisturizing them. But you don't, like, carry um, around little tiny hand creams with you wherever no. you go? No. But but I do feel like it could use it, right? But mm. if I fell into that, to be honest with you, I'd be doing it every hour. And it would, just be, it would yeah, become a habit as opposed to Mostry. actually necessary. It's like moisturizing your lips and your feet, except I don't moisturize my feet. Oh, well, but, my God. But the problem oh, but the problem is with lips, you start doing things like lip. It, 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 things become more habit. You know, it's kind of like somebody who sucks on cough drops all the time, even though they don't what? have a cold. It's just become something they do. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, in the winter, our lips are dry, our hands are dry, our face is dry. Don't even get me started on uh, all the yeah. other skincare things. Yeah. So, you know, if you need so to. So how many times a day do you do this? Never mind if you I need to. I know it times, depends where you times. are. I mean, okay, right. here, here, here's a caveat. If I'm at home, I don't really notice because I don't really care, but if I'm going out... Ah, like someone else is but what see makes you hands, care? Yeah. If you yeah. feel, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I don't even think about people answer. seeing it because I bite my fingernails. I, don't I was going to say cuticles are the anyway. next horrible thing. Uh-huh. Anyways, we should probably move on. It's getting pretty ugly. Certainly. Let's yeah. see what's coming up on the show today. We have nutrition with Julia Caranches, and she's sharing healthy and tasty ways to continue using legumes in our foods, and this time with baking. There's a Mummers Festival and Mummers Parade taking place in St. John's next week. Community reporter Kim Thistle, she gives us all those details on it later on. 
Also, we're checking with W. Ross friends today. Our communication students are joining us to tell us what they've been up to because the school year is, well, the physical year is wrapping up and they've got a lot of stuff coming up for the holidays. Um, starting with our year-end review kind of things, and here's one that caught our attention. Oxford University Press has picked its word of the year. It's not really a word, it's part of a word, it's riz. And it's believed to come from the middle of the word charisma and can be used as a verb as in riz up or chat someone up. That's according to the Oxford University Press. Riz is a popular term used by Gen Z to describe someone's ability to attract or seduce another person. It tops Swifty. The word situationship, which is an informal romantic or sexual relationship, and prompt, not the word for being on time, but an instruction given to an artificial intelligence program. I'm Shelley Adler. I'm like de definitely shaking my head about most of these words, maybe not prompt because it's actually used and in that context, but what the heck is Riz? Situationship I know about, but are we just like adding anything to these? Uh, word banks now and oh my god i feel old because what is it gen sounds z like that we're going on to yeah, yeah riz like is not even a real right? word it's, it's part, part of, of a word that may mean right. this or that i have and no idea of this it's context. part of a word that isn't in the context here in the at no. least in the verb context right like charisma i guess sort mm -hmm. of if you really really stretch and then well, um someone has charisma but the now way you're chatting someone up and seducing them and that's riz oh no yeah, anyways, it doesn't feel fair. I feel like well, I'm, I'm becoming more uh, and more of a traditionalist with the language. It's because you're getting older and getting I more know, distant. I know, grumpy, but, yeah. But, yeah, maybe. Um, but the fact is, like, I find it, it's okay when you say, okay, that's a short form, or that's something offline, you know, that people are walking around like, ha LOL. Like, okay, right. you know, you can sit there and say, but when something is so obscure, boy, do you ever feel, like, out Swifty? in the cold and out of that. You yeah. heard Swifty in that, right? Yep. Are we talking about Taylor Swift? I didn't. She didn't give any context. I'm assuming she didn't no, know. No, but I think that's why, or she knows it's Taylor, it's reference to the people who are Swift. But how could we assume? Because like Riz, you could assume anything, but, and but then. But if we, if she goes explaining it, people are sitting there going, "We know what a Swiftie is. Oh, Come on." Yeah, you guys. How old do. are you? This is for the rest of us who need the explanation. Okay. Okay. Um, let's take a break. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> I'll say this. All I can say this is <clears throat> that's jokes. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I'm even too old to say that now. I still do it, though. I don't care. My brother are, doesn't listen to are. the show. We're going to take I, a break. I don't think your brother... Does he say it still? I don't know. No, I can't, and I can't say what he on. says anyway. I'm supposed to not at no. all pay attention to how well, he I use talks. that kind of language anyway. It's oh, not, oh, those other no, words. No, I'm too old. Oh, okay. I'm too old, yeah. After the break, which I keep trying to throw to, I'm you done with this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you can't say it. We're talking uh, about the cruciate ligament. What exactly is it and how does it contribute to lameness in our pets? That's the conversation we're going to have with Dr. Danielle Jeankind after the break here on Kelly and Romeo. You know when you're... <laughs> Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Romeo will be right back. Yeah, so we have some Gen Zers amongst us uh, in the crew, and they've clarified that, yeah, these are words that are being used by real people, a whole generation of people, in fact. 
I don't think we so, got any more of an explanation around Riz, just that it's a thing. It's definitely around. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now you know how old you're sounding because you don't say it. It's like, well, I guess these words <laughs> really exist. do exist. Uh, <laughs> I know. I guess it's not it's, just this uh, item no, that this uh, clip is playing. Uh, she's and making more. it all up. Like my mother uh, older every lady day. On there. Yeah, it's really bad. Anyway, I tried I to move it. on, but then we had to bring it up and break. No, no, no. You Ew. then brought it up. You said, let's move on, and then you brought it up just oh, now. Oh, I was so accused of not liking the, rest the word of us. Riz. It's not true. I'm still trying to figure out what it actually means. So um, while we do that in the play, background, let's get... Play the clip. Yeah, play, play the clip again <laughs> oh, in now. her head at some point. Let's get to Ask a Vet with Dr. Danielle Johnkind. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. Danielle, you're a mother. Do you often try to catch up with language of your kids? Uh, probably not consciously, but I find that my kids just sort of bring on the language and then I'm left scratching my head and then I have to ask about it so uh, it's more like an accidental catching up but and then they laugh at me because I don't know what they're talking about. That's what about. I was just going to say did you <laughs> do you pick the right moment to ask because I think a lot of parents just say I better not be asked because yeah. I'm going to just get laughed at. I guess now you can ask I'm not afraid GPT. to get laughed at. <laughs> You're I'm not afraid that, to get laughed that, at. No. And, and, no, and Ramya you could ask Google or any of them because I've I've done that when I hear these yeah. terms as like, oh, I Just don't the ask the Gen Zer. Yeah. Exactly. No way. Don't ask anyone when you don't know a term you go go check there first cuz Google's <laughs> not going like to Pretend like you know but don't use it. <laughs> There's so many rules around pretending. Um Danielle we have a pretty serious topic ahead of us today on Ask a Vet. There are times when our pets seem to be fine and then all of a sudden they might be limping and hobbling around the house. And this is a common reason for us to take uh, our pets to the vet. And today you're going to talk to us about one very common cause of lameness in our pets and tell us what it means. So what lameness problem are we talking about today? Well, if you have a dog, particularly a large breed dog, you know, you might recognize today's topic of conversation. I hope for your sake that you don't, but you know, you might. Um, and so we're going to talk about um, cranial cruciate ligament ruptures. Okay. Wow. Okay, because I remember, Danielle, to be honest with you, I was talking about the differences, some of the problems that bigger dogs could have. So what is the cruciate ligament? And why does rupturing it cause lameness? Well, cruciate ligaments are these kind of tough, fibrous brands of tissue, you know, and, and they help to stabilize the knee joint. So in pets, we call the knee joint the stifle. And of course, that joint is where the femur, which is the bone that goes from the hip um, down to the knee, meets the tibia, which is the bone that goes below the knee. And there are two cruciate ligaments in this joint, and they're, they're kind of arranged in this X-shaped formation. Um, when weight is put on the leg, um, the physics of the situation, you know, makes the, the bottom bone, the tibia, want to kind of kick out, like to go forward from underneath the femur. And the cruciate ligaments are one of those structures that stop that from happening. So they kind of keep that tibia in place so that it can bear the weight of the pet. And the most common one of the cruciate 
uh, ligaments to break because there are two of them um, or rupture is called the cranial cruciate ligament. Um, cranial just means the one that's farther forward, meaning toward the head. Um, when that happens, you know, the tibia loses some of its stability. So, you know, when we have this rupture, whenever weight is put on the leg, the tibia kind of wants to jut forward and it causes pain and inflammation in that stifled joint. Yeah, this sucks. Uh, how does an animal break <laughs> break its cruciate ligament? You mean the the cruciate ligament rupture sucks, or the topic sucks? Right? I mean uh. the, the rupture and the pain and the. It's and if you're leg. calling it that, I'd hate I to know. think of what the animal, if it could speak English to us, would say. Oh, no, that's right. That's terrible. Whoa. We won't translate those words for sure. Mm, no. Um. So you know. Well, this problem sometimes seems to happen suddenly, that actually isn't always the case. Um, the majority of these ligament ruptures happen after a more prolonged period of degeneration in the ligament. So to use a bit of an analogy to make it easy to understand it, it's kind of like those suspenseful scenes in the movies that you see where the victim is hanging from a cliff by a fraying rope. You know, you see the one fiber snap and then the next. Oh. And you you know that if they don't get rescued by some awesome martial yeah. arts fighter, that rope is going to break, right? So if we kind of compare the cruciate ligament to that rope, you know, the break is often what people notice most because the pet suddenly becomes very lame. And, you know, when that break happens, the history I often get is that the dog seemed fine. They went out in the yard and chased, you can fill in the blank here, bird, squirrel, cat, whatever. Mm. Um, they yelped, they came up lame, and they've been lame ever since. And what often happens in these scenarios is that the pet has performed a change in direction at high speed on an already weakened ligament. And that maneuver, of course, tends to plant the foot. The rest of the body rotates in the new direction, but if the foot doesn't turn with the knee, it can just snap that weakened ligament. So that's usually how it happens. Wow. Ooh, as you were describing before, that's the images I have now. Thank you for the movie analogy. I hear the scary music playing in my head. Mm. You mentioned <laughs> that this problem gets worse, can, can get worse over time before the ligament actually breaks. What signs might we notice at home um, with our pro problems with, with the cruciate ligament in our pets? Well, you know, before it actually breaks, you, you might see some subtle signs. So you might see this intermittent limping, you know, that kind of comes and goes. It's always in one of the back legs. Um, there's no cruciate ligaments in the front legs. So, of course, it always happens to a back leg. Um, right. You might also notice that your pet has difficulty with anything that requires them to go up. So up the stairs, into the car, onto the furniture. Um, those activities put almost all of the weight on the back legs. So the right. symptoms tend to show up, you know, when they're trying to get up on something. Um, the other thing you might notice is that your pet might not sit squarely, you know, if it hurts to bend that affected stifle joint, that knee. So they might sit to the side and extend that sore leg out a bit rather than sitting square like they normally mm. would. And, you know, these symptoms, of course, they're not specific to cruciate ligament injuries. You know, right. we can see them with other problems, but it's something to watch for. And, um, of course, when the ligament completely breaks, you know, you'll notice this very obvious lameness that doesn't come and go. And I call these toe-touching lamenesses. So these patients usually come in and they're barely touching the toe to the ground as they're hopping along with most of their weight on the other three legs. Ugh. Oh, I know. Okay, so are, you mentioned dogs. Are some pets more likely to get cruciate ligament ruptures than others? 
Oh, for sure. You know, I, I rarely see this in cats. Um, in fact, in 24 years of being a veterinarian, I've only ever diagnosed one cat with this injury. Um, we do see cruciate ligament ruptures in small dogs, but they seem to be much more common in larger breed dogs that are usually over four years of age. That would be sort of the biggest risk group. Mm. I, I, and again, like you say, a lot of time, it's just that movement. Hey, it's such an innocent movement. I'm having fun. I'm, hey, I blew a tire, as we would say in, in human terms, almost like, um, okay, so because we could see this in other uh, you know, lamenesses, if you want to call it that, um, how could you tell that cruciate, as a veterinarian, how can you tell that cruciate uh, limitation from others that are out there? Uh, well, you know, we usually have a pretty good idea of what we might be dealing with when we take a look at the history of the problem. Um, there are also some things we might find on an exam that help us too. So, um, like I mentioned before, pets with the full tear of the ligament are usually showing me that toe-touching lameness on a back leg. Um, they are usually painful in that stifle joint, and there might be extra fluid in that joint too that we can feel. Um, sometimes I can feel a bit of a clicking sensation when I move mm. the joint, and yeah. they almost always can't move it through the full range of motion that a normal patient would be able to do. Um, I can also sometimes feel something called a drawer sign. So what that means is that I can move that bottom bone, the tibia, back and forth in a drawer-like motion, much more than I would normally be able to. And if I compare it to the good leg, there's a real difference. Um, if the pet has had that partial tear in the ligament for a while, you know, the fraying rope analogy, um, mm. I might be able to determine that, you know, the affected leg has smaller thigh muscles than the normal one because, of course, they're using it less, so they get a bit of muscle atrophy. Um, and sometimes I can also feel a bit of a thickening on the inside of the leg on that knee joint. Um, and that's a good clue that we're dealing with a cruciate ligament problem that's, you know, kind of been going on for a while. Um, if your vet might also recommend an x-ray, especially if they're not sure that they're dealing with a cruciate ligament problem. And while we can't actually see the ligaments themselves on an x-ray, there may be some other things that, you know, we could see that add sort of information. So we might see extra fluid in the joint. Um, there's a little bone called the popliteal sesamoid that might be pushed backwards. And there might actually be mineral deposits that you can see on an x-ray in and around the joint that shouldn't be there. And of wow. course, x-rays, they also help to rule out other causes of lameness, like fractures, like bone tumors, dislocations, and hip dysplasia. So, right. I mean, you know, they can be useful under the right circumstances. Is, is what you're feeling, like you said, if you feel something, is that likely to be the deposits or or the that other um bone movement like or just simple swelling well you do like i say sometimes you do feel that swelling um but right. the drawer motion is usually the one that's you know pretty definitive you know you don't get that with some of the other causes of lameness uh let's talk about the treatment of these danielle how are the cruciate ligament injuries treated well, of course, the first piece of the puzzle is pain medication, you know, and we want to make sure that the pet is comfortable. 
Um, we often recommend anti-inflammatory type of pain medications um, until, you know, some sort of definitive treatment can be scheduled. So in cats and some small dogs, you know, the joint can scar down and stabilize over time. And so rest and pain medication might be enough to resolve the problem in an acceptable manner. Um, but most patients will need surgery to have an acceptable outcome. So surgery works really well in about 80 to 85% of cases, you know, compared to a success rate of less than 20% for pets that are over 15 kilos in weight. So if your pet doesn't get the surgery and they're over 15 kilos in weight, the success rate is pretty low for an acceptable outcome. Um, there are a number of possible surgical procedures that can be done to fix the ligament rupture, um, but not every vet does orthopedic surgery. So if your own vet feels it's in your pet's best interest, you know, they can refer you to a board certified surgeon to have the surgery done. And of course, rehabilitation exercises are also really important to do after surgery to help that pet recover and to build the muscle mass in the leg back up and that's uh you know the human equivalent would be something like physiotherapy though they're not exactly the same but right. it's very similar right so is there long-term issues that can happen with cruciate li ligament injuries uh, unfortunately, yes, you know, um, the ligament rupturing will always result in arthritis eventually. Um, so, you know, you have to kind of expect that. Um, it's also likely, of course, if the ligament in the one knee goes, then the other one is at risk of doing the same thing. Um, right. And of course, if one knee is sore, the, pair, the pet will bear as much weight as possible on the good one, right. which of course, so lots of patients um, will break one cruciate ligament only to have the other one go within two years requiring oh, a second man. surgery so you know keeping your pet's weight on the low end of normal and following your vet's advice on any medications or joint supplements you know um, that they think might be beneficial you know will really help you know ensure like the best possible outcome and you know hopefully with the weight being low they'll be less at risk for breaking these things in the first place mm -hmm. and that's by extension too if something happens with the surgery side of it uh, the weight plays a big role in that as well. Danielle, thank you so much for this information. You're, wel you're welcome. Dr. Danielle Johnkind joins us every Tuesday for Ask a Veterinarian. And following that, we have a bi-weekly chat with either, either nutritionist Julia Caranches or wellness contributor Francis Wong. Today, it's nutrition time, and we're talking about cooking sorry, not cooking, baking with legumes. Fun, easy, healthy ways to bake. We'll be right back. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Sometimes we get to serious conversations here on the show and on Ask a Vet, we just had one of those around this um, lameness in dogs specifically, I guess, because we get one cat example in her 24-year careers around this cruciate ligament and the injuries around that. And Kels, there's so much to the body, right? Like just the, um, the side effects of one thing leading to another, leading to another, and the, the symptoms we have to look for in our pets to make sure that things are not as far gone as we hope they're not because 
it just gets worse and worse. Like she was talking about one knee injury leading to the other knee injury mm -hmm. and that the communication is obviously very limited in terms of words and language, but um, there's still a lot of symptoms that we can look forward to, or not forward to, but look towards to see if our pets are doing okay. And uh, Danielle points that out very well during our talks with her. And we have to be the ones to help encourage or take care of and yeah. uh, proof our surroundings so that our animals maybe have a little better chance or not likely to do something as much because we do it ourselves running around a gym or whatever or, or, or making yourself do something that your body's not warm enough to do and you pull something or, yeah. or damage something um, it's it's really a lot of the same and the same things to do to kind of watch for ourselves folks it's uh, a Tuesday every other Tuesday Julia Karanchis joins us our nutritionist Join me on Kelly and Ramya as we dive into the wonderful world of nutrition and wellness with tips to stay healthy and live a vibrant lifestyle. Well, Julia, I have to say, I'm, I'm just, I just don't even have words to say how sorry I was that the segment I missed a couple of weeks ago was the chili converse. I, I don't even know. What Unreal. To say. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a delicious and very good one, Kelly. But I, I'm, I'm sure keeping it, was. it on. It was good. I'm keeping it on the same train here today, though, in honor of your into to recognize your absence last exactly. uh, last well, segment. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and it is my chance to make up for missing out. So today, <laughs> but that means I'll be contributing a lot to this one. Uh, this is to baking today. We're going to have a conversation of baking with legumes. Yeah, we're going to talk about that today. I know it sounds a little different. Um, you know, last week we talked about chili. We're going to stay there. We're going to keep the legumes in the conversation. It's a good one to talk about. Uh, so we're going to talk about them in other ways, in ways where maybe if you didn't like the texture of the bean, that mm. you wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. You could disguise it and what we're going to talk I about today. So I don't know if people realize this, but you can actually use beans or legumes sometimes we call them they're a bit different but things like chickpeas and black beans and lentils and whatnot in baked goods things like brownies pancakes cookies um and the baked goods would therefore have higher protein have a higher fiber content and depending on which bean you used they would also help to fortify your diet with nutrients such as iron b, b vitamins as well as magnesium so after you did your segment, I, I did a vanity card for the uh, podcast. And one of the things I make mention is chili, everything almost in it, it can be a little funny book ground beef if you have it in, but I know you can make all sorts of others. Everything in it I like, not together. And I think this touches on some of what you're saying about more of a texture thing when it comes to it, because I love the spices and everything. So it, what is the benefit for people using the legumes over something like flour? Well, it would offer a gluten-free option. So if people have digestive issues um, with gluten, which is a protein found in certain grains, wheat is a very common one that it's found in, the beans or legumes that you're using wouldn't have it. So it would offer something in that like ease of the digestion. So that's one of the points. Um, but then there's also fiber and protein that are found in the beans. Um, so they would keep you full 
they would keep you better energized than say a baked good that was made with just you know flour sugar and mm. egg but that, they got you the know, complex because, carbs that's right that's right i mean and you can bake with whole wheat but not everything is baked with whole wheat and it still would give you more than the flour would so it and mm -hmm. it's also very economical because you can use canned beans a lot in things right. so it's it still can be, you know, very affordable, which is really nice. And when you are increasing the fiber, and we've talked about this numerous times on different segments, when we talk about breakfast, when we talk about snacking, how important protein and fiber are, and they should really be very key components to all of the meals that you're consuming. And if you add beans to the meal, you're going to be ticking off those two boxes, which is really nice. So uh, again, if you know, I think a lot about the diabetics too in the group, right? Like it's 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 <clears throat> there are so many pluses here in making the changes you're talking. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you're increasing protein and fiber, uh, those are two key components to stabilizing blood sugar levels. So mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Also, if you're eating a snack that is made with protein fiber and then other nutrients that are nourishing the body, you're going to be less likely to crave these other foods that might swing your blood sugar because yeah. you'll feel satisfied. Yeah, that's so, fair too. And then also I'm thinking of flavoring, like you know how we talk about using herbs and spices and savory instead of just overdoing it with the salt? Uh, I think of it that way as well. If you know, you're know uh, discovering different flavor palettes, maybe you're not necessarily using as much sugar to fill in the blanks. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of the recipes that you find when you're baking with legumes are calling for things like nut butters or seed butters, you know, sunflower yeah. seed butter, for example, and then honey and maple syrup. So you're not using the straight raw sugar, you're using maybe maple syrup that has a mineral or two in it, mm. um, and you're using them often in less amounts. Okay. So that's nice. And then it's combated a bit, again, with the fiber content and the protein. That always helps. Well, right? well, and so it's got... still, well, no matter what, that upside, especially people, whether they're being weight conscious or you've got to watch your sugars, whatever it might be, it's still, uh, I want to say, healthier than grabbing the brownie we go to the bakery for and it's in the, the standard. Absolutely. And also, if you have a really busy day and you know, okay, this is my last snack before I'm going to be able to eat a meal or eat something again, you want to make sure that whatever you're eating is going to satiate you for the next couple of hours. And that's what beans can help to do. That's what yeah. protein and fiber help to do. And so it can be really useful to, you know, to eat more of these things and to disguise them in ways that are more palatable for yourself. Right. Okay, so let's talk about how to actually use them. Like, are we just cooking the beans and then tossing them right into the recipe? I don't Yeah. It. Okay, yeah, great question. And I do want to throw in that I have done this a lot. I actually have some black bean brownies in my freezer right now as we're doing this segment. Um, and so I, I definitely, you know, have tried a lot of things. Um, some really great examples of baked goods that you can do with legumes would be brownies. You would use black beans for those, for example. Another good example would be chickpeas in a chocolate chip cookie. You could also use chickpeas in pancakes. You can do chickpea pancakes. And then there's lentils. And lentils can also be used for pancakes um, or muffins even. So a lot of opportunity for variation here. Um, and again, a lot of opportunity to increase your nutrition 
for the day. You know, whether you're using those black beans, which are really high in iron, or the other legumes where you're going to find B vitamins. So, you know, part of it is what you're adding to it. So those creamy nut butters are going to really help disguise the texture and the flavor or, you know, the bland flavor of the mm -hmm. beans. And then things like cocoa powder and honey, maybe you've added maple syrup, a little bit of vanilla extract. Those are all going to contribute to the flavor of these items. Um, so how do you bake with them? This is a great question because it is a little bit challenging. So first, they have to be cooked. We're not talking about the legumes in their dried state <laughs> as you would purchase them in a bag. I Can just you imagine? Throw that. <laughs> you it's, never know. Yeah. Very it's, interesting well, uh, texture of a cookie. Well, I'm going to make it anyway. It's going to get baked if I throw it all in here and throw it in the <laughs> oven. Yeah, no, that's a little yeah. work beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you would. Could you imagine how much water you'd have to be drinking to try to get that down? Just oh, the, my gosh. <laughs> the pastry. I wonder how many people have done mouth. that, right? That's, oh. that's a sitcom episode right there, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, really, it's a really good thing to point out, especially if you're not a I baker, so. is yeah. that there is, yeah. is a difference between a canned legume, which is cooked, and then the uncooked legumes, which you would find in the grocery store in bags, like you would a bag of rice, mm -hmm. for example. So, you know, all the baking that I've done with these these beans has been in their cook state. I don't cook them myself and I choose not to do it more so from a convenience and time element. Um, so wow. I always have just used canned because I find it significantly easier. I can also buy by the case and so I find it more economical. But the caveat here is that you do need to have a food processor or a blender. That's the key. These are really right. important because what you're gonna do is throw in the ingredients all together and then blend them. And that's what's going to help not only break apart the skin, uh, the, the outer shell of those legumes, like for example, what a, ch you know, a chickpea can have a little bit of an outer skin, um, but it's also gonna be what disguises the texture. And some of the beans take significantly longer to blend. And so that's something to be mindful of too, so that you don't have you know, those chunks of mushy texture yeah. In, yeah you want it like a mess like anything i've had yeah and i can tell like the like oh i i be a big fan of those darn lotus bean balls and you know <laughs> i i can always taste not taste feel the bean in there yes um as but it's a a thickness but i would also compare it that if you would give me a brownie it still feels like the mix of a brownie yes. may not quite quite taste the same, um, you know. But with everything you're talking about, whether it's honey, whether it's maple syrup, it, it's going to really get in there if you do this right and blend it so much. It's going to be powerful in that sense of you're going to say, "Hey, man, what the heck is this?" And what is? I'm not going to sit here and pretend you're not going to notice the difference in, in taste uh, to a degree. Yeah. But but it becomes again, as we've taught before, a different style, different type of dessert. Yeah, it's exactly a different style, a different type, a different option. It's just mm -hmm. always yeah. nice to have options with things. But when, yeah, when you are baking with legumes, a food processor or a blender is key. It's really a necessity. You're not going to unfortunately get the smooth texture out of the bean if you don't have something powerful to break it down. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes that recipe will 
require you to put the beans in first with one or two ingredients and blend them first and then right. add the rest of it to yeah so that they're like it double is, it ends up right. being a very thick paste uh julia do you ever try to add or not add but like have beans with the flowers so you're kind of half and halfing it for texture's sake have you experimented this way i I personally have not experimented. I have to be honest, I am not a very talented baker. And sometimes when I go off on my own, it does not work in my favor. And I have learned many a times wasting many ingredients. I do feel like that does, you know, make sense. And maybe we can stick Mary on this project as a little bit right? of an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you probably would improve the texture a little bit, but I haven't personally done it. I've always just stuck to whichever recipe I found, which is always called for straight beans uh -huh. um, I mean, and it's a not, lot of nut butter. It's not unheard of, and it's not new to use no. beans in uh, sweet, you know, like dessert or just sweet foods uh, around the world. So that's well, especially it, in some yeah some other cultures. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. But also, um, I'm thinking, you know, bake free options of sweets. Like you know how we talk about energy balls and right. peanut butter balls and things like that. I feel like you could use beans in those circumstances mm -hmm. also. Yeah, if I mean, you're feeling up for it. To ex yeah, yeah. That's definitely yeah. something to experiment with. I might mm -hmm. look into that this week. I mean, I've done my fair share of energy balls. Yeah. All the stuff that I've done with Same. beans has gone in the oven, and they bake just like regular things yeah, regular it's cookies, already cooked anyway brownies. right they, yeah yeah because yeah. it's that same texture like you say thickness and everything like that and, uh, yeah. and the recipes everybody's done that work for you find them and give them a shot because that was what i was thinking the measuring the amount uh julia wonderful yes. topic thanks guys uh julia Carantis, join us every two weeks on the program opposite wellness with francis wong after the break, we're going to talk about a human rights film festival. This is the 12th year uh, that it's coming up in Toronto. It's this coming weekend. We're going to talk more about it with Desiree McKenzie. Find out more about the project and the organization running it. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Remya. Thanks for sticking around, for tuning in. We are here daily, Monday to Friday at least, with you on AMI-tv, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live, and then 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, and whenever, wherever, on your favorite podcast platform. We're going to get to learning about Jayu and an interesting uh, initiative that they have coming up this weekend in Toronto. So Jayu is a charitable organization that shares human rights stories through the arts. We're going to find out exactly how they do that. But they are presenting the 12th Annual Human Rights Film Festival from December 7th to 10th. That's this weekend with four feature-length documentaries, including three Toronto premieres. So lots of firsts coming to town, as well as accompanying a Q&A session and four short films. So we're going to get into all of this with Desiree McKenzie, who is the program manager for JIU and is here to talk about the festival and the organization. Desiree, welcome to Kelly and Ramia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Ramia. So we're going to um, get to a trailer and to the um, actual film festival in a second. But first, can you tell us a little bit more about Jayu and your passion for the organization? 
Yeah, absolutely. So Jayu is a Toronto-based charity that dedicates that is dedicated to sharing human rights stories through the arts. And we do that through a number of ways and through programs, including our Human Rights Film Festival and, of course, the I Am program, which gives equity-deserving youth ages 12 to 29 access to free arts mentorship. Why I'm so passionate about Jayu is it's kind of a full-circle moment for me because I started as a youth in Jayu's programming in 2019 in their poetry program. And from there, it kind of um, it kind of became this beautiful part of my life and a beautiful way I learned how to tell my stories and a, the place I learned to do that. What did, uh, can you give us some examples of the arts mentorship side of things? Yeah, absolutely. So we do sort of six to eight week programs and one-off workshops that's dedicated to giving youth access to free arts mentorship in poetry, photography, filmmaking, collaging, painting, you name it, we've probably done it. Um, and it's really, really beautiful. And we have a range of partners from across the city that we collaborate with in delivering this programming. And our key thing is just ensuring that the arts are accessible to young artists who want to kind of get their foot in the door and want to learn how to create create their art and put it out there into the world, especially as it pertains to social justice. I love when you talk about different ways to do things, to send the messages, to um, share, to teach lessons, to tell the stories. And I think as, a, as artists, you're always looking for that different way, whether you're a musician, whether you're a, a person doing theater in some capacity or dance, you find the different style, different way that lends itself in your mind and which are multiple ways to that particular Absolutely. story you're going to tell. Can you share with us about the Human Rights Film Festival and what people can expect? Yeah, absolutely. So it's our 12th annual HRFF, as we call it, Human Rights Film Festival Plus, from December 7th to 10th. And as Ramia said, we'll be screening four uh, documentaries and four short films. Uh, we're kicking it off on December 7th with a bullet-pulling thread at Hot Doc Cinema, uh, downtown Toronto. Uh, this covers the story of um, Barry Shantz and his sister, uh, Marilyn. Uh, Barry was unfortunately killed in January 2020 by RC by the the RCMP in his home. Um, and in response to the tragedy, his sister Marilyn now quilts um, and does that as a way to kind of cover his life and his story um, and through her journey of grief as well. Um, and then there's another example of another film where we'll be sharing is The Space Race on December 9th. This is our matinee show at 2 p.m. at Hot Docs as well. Um, it weaves together the stories of the first black astronauts and sort of their trials and tribulations while, you know, trying to go to space in a world that doesn't even want them mm -hmm. on earth so it's yes. a yes. it's a very complex thing oh gosh there's so much to cover here we're gonna come back and talk to yeah. you but let's uh take a listen to the trailer awesome what's in a voice humanity its tangled web drawing closer intersections of living a voice is a message most would believe that a voice comes from the throat like an oasis surging through the desert but you need no mouth to speak. Your hands, your feet, your heart, your art, your being. You are a voice. So when you speak, do not hold back your humanity. And the world, in its solemn devotion to silence, tries to shut your mouth. That is when you scream the loudest. That is when we scream no more. Why should we be quiet about our love for others, our resistance to the growing hate and decay? Why should we be afraid to speak? 
they will scream because the human will can change everything around us and it saves the souls of those after us. We will never need to scream in pain, but only in faith that our common humanity, our endless possibilities, demands we speak, for our voices can bring love to everything. So how will you speak? First of all, that was incredibly empowering. Um, I, I, it really sets the tone for the kinds of things you say we're going to experience at the Human Rights Film Festival. Desiree, you're, you know, the two uh, films that you mentioned before we got to the trailer makes me think we're not just telling the stories of the people um, who the, the, the films are featuring, but also the people around those people, right? Their support systems and Absolutely. their journeys, like the sister and the one that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So tell us more, like give us more samples of the kinds of topics that people, bringing, uh, people are bringing to these features because they're, uh, they're hard hitting. Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, I just want to shout out uh, that poem in the trailer was written by one of the youth from our programs, our poetry program, wow. oh uh, Jesse June Jack. Yeah, he's incredible. So shout out Jesse. Um, but some other things that we'll sort of be dealing with and speaking to through some of the films, um, one of them is called Coming Around, and it follows a 28-year-old um, Palestinian-Egyptian woman who is trying to figure out the best way to come out to her mother, um, who is a devout Muslim, and all the complications around that and all the nuance with that. Uh, then we'll also be sharing Hong Kong Mixtape on December 9th, uh, which comes after June 2020 when the national security law was enforced in Hong Kong, um, and it had a massive impact in terms of people being able to share uh, freely, and especially when it came to art. So uh, the director, Sanef Young, uh, decided to kind of do a feature, do a film uh, covering the different artists around Hong Kong who were really trying to get their voices out there and showcase that work. Um, in addition to that, we not only have film, the plus in HRFF plus also stands for um, more art um, that can encompass human rights. So we also have our closing night poetry slam on Human Rights Day uh, from the Ace Hotel tell it's a lot of fun uh, myself and Martin Gomez will be hosting we're both youth from uh, the Jayu program so that's a really really great time and uh, 10 poets will be competing for a grand prize of $350 which is really exciting and then finally, we also have our We Grow Together exhibition, which is actually something that kind of came from one of the programs we ran with uh, our program partners in uh, Kitchener, Ontario. They're called White, of, uh, White Owl Native Ancestry Association. So that's uh, paintings and poetry that cover these uh, five Indigenous youth and their journey with growth and how that's connected to land. Wow. I absolutely love it. There's so many great stories, so, mm. mu so much variety. Mm. But when you say that, there's so much for everyone to just sit there, yeah. take in, think, and then move forward in your own way. Because I, I would imagine as we do with everything, whether it's knowing about artists being suppressed overseas in any way, you take it in and it means something different to everyone. I'm kind of curious, with an event like the Human Rights F Film Festival, it would seem to me that in our current climate, it's even more important. So... How do you think those coming through the doors will experience or, or some of the things that they'll feel with things as, I want to say, tense in our world right now? 
Absolutely, 100%. We recognize this is coming at a at a really delicate time in the world, absolutely. And, you know, one thing we just hope is that this will stimulate more conversations within our community um, around globally what's what what, hap- what happens that we may not know about, that we may not be educated about, mm. uh, first and foremost, but also in terms of being able to provide support for folks as they're taking in some of this content that might be activating or might be difficult to hear. Uh, we ensure that at each event we have an active listener who is someone who, while they're not a professional in terms of um, psychology and things, they can also they're trained to provide resources and support so folks can kind of get the next steps in terms of the support they need if again if they are feeling activated or they're um uh, they're upset or anything that they might have seen because obviously these are some heavy heavy topics that are being covered but mostly we hope that people will feel empowered uh to speak and with the education that all of these films and even the poetry slam and the exhibition will bring people uh we hope they just feel empowered and uh inspired to speak and do that in whatever way they feel compelled to Desiree, tell us about the Poetry Slam. Yeah. Oh, the Poetry Slam. It's so, so much fun. Yeah, it's it's our fourth fourth slam that we're doing. Um, and it's always just such an incredible, incredible time. Uh, one thing we also really try to do is ensure that po- our artists are always paid for their time. So regardless of where the other poets place in the slam, all of them will leave with, uh, with uh, $75. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And you'll see the 10 of them perform, share their truth, um, share all a range of different stories um, that that matter to them. And we have judges who are like random people selected in the audience, which always makes it really fun and interesting. And uh, yeah, it's just a great way to close the slam and having it be on uh, Human Rights Day is perfect. Yeah, well, I can tell you that poem that Jesse, uh, you use for the trailer, boy, that's well, how powerful that is. Let, do you think, and I'm kind of curious if if it is film, if you for yourself maybe see another medium um, as that better medium, that stronger medium, but powerful medium for talking about human rights issues or for you as film it. I think I think every single type of art form has a different power in doing that. Of course, film allows us to go into go into a place and speak to people and get the visuals and and whatnot and present that in a particular way. Poetry is one that really dives into the the details and the sensory the sensory aspects of our experiences and and whatnot. And painting is another is another thing that you can really show an image and have different colors and textures and shapes uh, really inform that. So that's a hard question. I don't think I can pick just one. I think every Mm -hmm. art form has a very special place in terms of telling these stories. And that's the beautiful thing about this festival is how it showcases all of that. I love the way you put it, because I agree. I don't know what, if a gun was put to my head and I told to decide one or the other, (laughs) everyone has, and again, we go back to everyone's own personal interpretation. Thank you, Desiree. Yeah, it's that sentiment of, you know, someone coming to experience this film festival or hearing what we're hearing right now in this conversation someone's going to be impacted in some way and you don't know what that is so you just put your stuff out there and hopefully as you said inspire or empower somebody else um who's listening does there is there an art medium that you've taken on that you were mentored through jayu or are that you're bringing to the table this weekend yeah so i'm not 
sharing poetry in the slam, but I'm a spoken word poet professionally on the side and Jayu is a huge part of how I got my start. When I first took their programs in 2019, uh, I started in the poetry program, just looking for more community, looking for ways to enhance my my penmanship, my, my writing skills. Um, and I found exactly that as well as the opportunity to get involved with, with Jayu um, and its many partners and organizations that you know, be believe in the same things and it, it really is a beautiful thing. So yes, I'm a poet, um, I'll be hosting and, and yeah. Awesome, thank you so much for your time and all the best this weekend. Thank you, thank Good you luck. so much, I appreciate it. Thank you. We were speaking with Desiree McKenzie, program manager for Jayu, and she was chatting with us about Jayu's 12th annual Human Rights Film Festival coming to Toronto this weekend. In the next hour of Kelly and Romia, we are speaking to Jeff Ryman. He's coming back on the show. He's going to flip through some interesting articles with us, including the latest on Wikipedia reads. Also, we're checking in with W. Ross McDonald School in Brantford, Ontario. They've got lots going on there leading up to the holidays. But up next, we're talking Mummers Festival and beyond with our community reporter, Kim Thistle, from Newfoundland. We'll be right back. here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Coming your way on AMI. And if you're sticking around with us live, we are here 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Amuthan. We just came out of a conversation from hour one with Desiree McKenzie about the Human Rights Film Festival. I mean... The title itself says so much, Kels, but um, what I wanted to throw to was the mentorship aspect of arts. And sometimes, you know, you're not sure where to go or how good you are or what you want to do with your art and how to tell your story, but there are these programs sprinkled around um, neighborhoods and cities and country where people are there specifically for that purpose, just to get your foot in the door and hook you up with people who can help you out. And for me, that place was the Artscape Young Place in downtown Toronto and the Sketch Community Arts Program, which is very similar to the way that mm -hmm. um, she was describing Jayu, where you mm -hmm. just go in with your art form and you hang out there. You honestly don't even have to do a thing or sign up for a program. It's drop-in, it's a safe space, and it was lovely, the, the kind of experience that I got there for years with music production, with singing, with mentorship. And people are just so welcoming right it's such a loving environment so that's kind of that first step to get people wanting to continue in the arts even if you have no idea what you're doing getting in there yeah you learn a lot through osmosis i actually had yeah. lunch uh, a while ago with a guy who was one of my writing mentors and when i was writing plays a little bit more and that's kind of that you know he, he would give me the time to take and give me critique you know, wonderful critique and guidance and that kind of thing. And I think in art, when you find the people around, when you're open to it, and because generally, unless you're, you know, doing that solo work on your own and you still can find them, but it's hard. But there's so many avenues of that support if you're open to it. And I think it's a crucial thing. And and sometimes you don't like what you hear. Sometimes it's the thing that makes a difference and uh, makes some of your work even better. And it takes time. And it's great when you talk about a drop-in place or a place like this where you yeah. get that 
just get the yeah, vibe, really the environment, is. the people oh. who are there for the same thing you are, which is the love for the arts, whatever it may be. And you're so and walk right. in the same steps, right? Exactly. Like they've been they there, know. they understand oh, whether God, they're yeah. younger, older, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has to take that journey of I don't know what the heck I'm doing, and everybody telling them. Oh, and the you're limitations a great and the marginalizations you might be facing, right? The oppressions right. of different things. Absolutely. Yep, and just helping you, and, and everybody, it's wonderful to have mom and dad, and if you're lucky enough to mm. have that support or praise, it's what to do with it and what how to guide. Folks, we like to, on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, get a chance to visit with our community reporters. Anytime on the program, it's a good thing to do. It's time to check in with one of them. We welcome Kim Thistle, who has news from St. John's Newfoundland. Uh, oh, oh, hold it. Hold oh, it. Is this what? Kim? this you, Kim? <laughs> oh, ho, ho. From Mount wow. Pearl, Newfoundland. Well, <laughs> have been naughty or nice a, this year? Santa drops. We know where Santa oh. is at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Santa's telling hey on Santa self. And I have my Santa. Can I show you my Santa shirt too? Yeah. Yes, please describe Sweater? it for us. Tell us what's yeah, going on. Yeah, describe it. Oh, okay. It's a big, it's like an old-fashioned Santa with a big robe with fur going down around, like on the edges, and he has like a cape on, and his beard is really nice and fluffy, and he's holding, nice. I don't know, I think it's a lantern, a basket, and a, I think a lantern down there, so it's not so much an ugly sweater. It's a very nice Christmas it's sweater. It's a festive so sweater. I just wanted to check in and see if you were naughty or nice this year. Oh. So I'll take off my... Well, one <laughs> of us was naughty, one of us was nice. You can um, yeah, you'll think know which I one think I truly. Guess, yeah. Eh? yeah, you'll know which one truly. But I love how you come on here and take the garb off, everything like that. Yeah. And you know, kind of defeat the purpose because, like, I, I'll i just guess that you're one of Santa's elves, Yeah, okay? she's an impersonator. Oh, okay, an elf. Yeah, that's nicer. That's yeah, that's right, right? Yeah, a nice elf, right? Just down to I didn't think if you have to see my mouth. If you're like me, you have to read lips, right? <laughs> for, for accessibility purposes. <laughs> yeah, we could hear you well enough, and that counts the most. Kim, let's jump into things so we don't lose, yeah. lose a time here because you've got a lot. Let's talk about something we've mentioned here on the program before, and I always love when you get into it, the Mummers Festival plus the parade on December 9th. Right. So, yes, I mentioned, yes, I mentioned it before. And sorry, I'm in, I think I got feathers or fur left down there. I knew you were going to say that. That's um, the yes, fluff, the beard it's fluff. It's a two-week-long workshop, and they've done, like, um, ugly stick making and and Christmas card making and, you know, making your mummer's costume. So they're really reviving a tradition that was part of Newfoundland, Labrador, from the 19th century, came over from England and Ireland. So... And I know I've mentioned it before, but it's mm -hmm. always a fun activity. So oh, this yeah. year, after the two weeks, they're having a parade down in Bowing Park in St. John's. And so it's a lovely area for walking around. And they'll have their ugly sticks and probably accordions and dress up. So it's in disguise. So the whole purpose of mummering is visiting your five or six friends and you you don't ask for permission you you know you come unannounced and you come in and you go any mummers loud in and they come in and give you a drink and you you dance and things like that so that has been the tradition for many years in newfoundland so now they've taken it to you know make it a big festival so that the saturday will be a parade so everyone will be dressed up and you know carrying on and you're not going to know who's dressed up their pillowcases on their head and there might be someone wearing <laughs> their mother's big bra that's part of a song that's here in newfoundland by semini and then you know their long johns on and their rubber boots and it's pure fun and imagination and dressing up so you know it's a bit different from halloween you know you get to still yes. dress up and guess and um, the, the really neat thing about it i only found out about today is that cbc television land and sea 
uh, well, on December the 24th, we'll be putting, we'll be showing the, it's called, let me make sure I got it, Fabulously Folksy Festival. So they're going to be highlighting the, the Mummers Festival. Oh, so fun. if you don't get it on December 24th, you can get it on CBC Gym streaming on season 59. And I apologize, I'm plugging another station, but... <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Oh, oh we uh, love that they're covering it. Sorry, I'm yeah, adjusting it's, it's my also, so I can hear you. Yes. And also, it's so beautiful because CBC stuff, a lot of it has some description on there for us. And yes. what you're talking about now just makes you close your eyes and think, oh, wow, people doing that, doing that. And the whole idea of the fun, not Halloween, not a, not Christmas, but but definitely part of the season. Yes, very much so. And, you know, you get, we get ornaments here in Newfoundland and the activity nice. and the music. And, and I think it's great for young and old. So, you know, for get sure. your family out and go down Bowing Park. Unfortunately, I don't know the time. I'm after checking so many different websites. So I think you may have to call to find out the exact time on Monday, on Saturday, I mean, to go down and, and watch them. You either participate in the parade or go down and watch. All right, I guess you can just go and jobs. hang out anyways all day yep. on yeah. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kim, we love hearing about the traditions that you guys have in Newfoundland because I feel like it's just a place where tradition lives on and lives on. People love the festivities. Uh, let's talk about Christmas with the Ennis sisters. What's going on? Well, they're a local group, and I remember them as young girls. They used to live on my street. I didn't hang out with them, but, you know, everyone has a story. If I know one of them, I know someone who yeah. knows someone. <laughs> That's the way we are here. They have beautiful voices. The three of them together, even solo, they are fabulous. So I think this is a really nice activity. And I chose it because they are performing across Newfoundland and Labrador. I want to make sure I've got... They start on December the 11th, right on up to the 22nd. So they're visiting Corner Brook, Stephenville, Grand Falls, Windsor, Gander, Clarenville, and St. John's. So St. John's will be... From December the 21st and 22nd at Holy Heart Theatre. Holy Heart Theatre is a very um, cozy theatre. It's accessible. There's a ramp to get in. There are stairs. And then when you when you get in through the ramp and come in for the main entrance, it's a, it's a, a slopes down to get to your seating. Mm. It's a very cozy atmosphere. So I find that they're good for accessibility. And um, they have beautiful voices. Like to hear them sing Christmas carols and songs, I think would be beautiful. And they play music. Here in St. John's, the tickets are $56. You go through Holy Heart Theater. We can take an attendant pass. So bring a buddy with you and split the cost of the ticket. Oh, this is so lovely. Uh, so which one did you know? Karen, Teresa, Maureen? Oh, no, I didn't know them really Aww. well, but I, they, they grew up on our street. They were younger <laughs> than us, but my, my son's girl, well, okay, let's put it, I'll tell you who knows who. My <laughs> Emily, my son's girlfriend, she loves them and, and grew up listening to them because they were young girls when they started mm -hmm. and they, they like going and following them, going around listening to them. This is so fun. And, um, of course, we're talking harmonies because we're they're three sisters and we love the yes. trio of voices this way. They've got originals. What kind of music is it? Like, what's the style? Well, for me, I call them... I've, I've listened to them a few times. I don't know if it's folksy or Newfoundland. Like, they're... They're not rock, okay? Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a very good for description. It's not you're getting out rock and They're more Celtic, right? They they're, they're more Do they have the, the Celtic in them? Yes. Yeah. They're actually. Uh, I'll tell you something else about them. They're here in London tonight at seven thirty tonight. Get out! No. Yeah. yeah. I heard them on CBC this oh. morning, and they said, "Speaking of CBC, guys, thanks. Sorry, they're getting a lot of help today. They need mm. it." Um, <laughs> and they're at the uh, downtown public library here in London, Ontario tonight. Oh, that is fun. Yeah. So they really are yeah. everywhere. Okay. Awesome. Everywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Kim, yeah. let's round off with your third topic. First night celebrations, New Year's Eve this is. Right. So I didn't give, I gave one specific thing, but in the care in um, Mount Pearl, like it's a very family oriented, fam friendly community. So they have an activity, family skating from one to three at the glacier. But that's not just, that's just Mount Pearl. Throughout Newfoundland, Labrador, there's going to be a different first night celebration, celebrations with families and then dinner and dances or going to a shed party. Like last year, I had a party in my she shed, my Chris and my Chris, she shed <laughs> with my friends and we came out and hung out there. So wherever you go, I ask that you be safe, get a taxi, and hug and kiss your loved ones and have a blessed 2024. So I'm excited to see what 2024 has in store for us. You, you've had a, a wonderful year, Kim. And, and I, you know, I just love it when I hear you say this stuff. I love when you come on this show with your, with your spirit of the season um, because we know that you know things have, have been rough it always are for all of us we have our times and everything yeah. but this year when whenever we get you on the show we love this the the mummers stuff the conversation pieces are beautiful it's that uh, spirit that you bring so thank you kindly and Aww. we will see you in 2024 yeah. have fun thank you very much you kisses and i love you in sign language there's, there's three Yay. things just the, the thumb the index and the pinky so thank you so much. Absolutely thank you, Kim. wonderful. Yeah, so true. So wonderful. Uh, Kim Thistle, our committee reporter in St. John's, covering off uh, St. John's, uh, Newfoundland, and Labrador content, as you can tell on the program here. So wonderful to have her on as we visit with our committee reporters, all of them great people. And we do that on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays on the show. After the break, we have our monthly check-in with W. Ross McDonald School. That's in Brantford, Ontario. And our communication students are going to tell us what they've been up to prepping for the holiday festivities around the school. Got a lot of audio to share with you. We'll be right back. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. It's so lovely to have our uh, community reporters, our contributors be recognized in all these different ways, and we will shout them out as we find it, because Julie Martin, who's another community reporter on the show, she joins us from Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Uh, now she, when she comes on, she talks a lot about Hadley, and Hadley... Um, the resources that they offer for learning Braille, for assistive technology in general, but also just they have put up an article where they recognize Julie and her support for the community. And she does a lot of support locally in Pictou County with um, helping out at the libraries and CNIB and just loving the kind of spreading of information and resources for the community, especially if you are new to vision loss or experiencing hardship with disability and diagnosis. So if you want to go check her out you can google the title which is julie martin making lives better and if you go to the hadley website you will find this article there uh, just a, her story her transitions her moving around and finding herself and of course how service has helped her come to terms with her disability and make uh things better for herself as well as the community so shout out to julie martin and thank you for sharing this article with us julie so that we can share it with others we will now, on Kelly and Ramia, check in with our friends from W. Ross McDonald School. They are located in Brantford, Ontario, and we usually, on the first Tuesday of the month, check in with our communication student uh, slash 
friends. And today we have a returning guest, Neo Neo Gabo, who joined us last month as well. Neo, welcome back. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Okay, hopefully we can get Skylar on to join us also. But in the meantime, glad you're here because we wanted to ask you about uh, what you've been up to. So first of all, the holiday concert and drama production is going to happen on the 14th. So that's next week, right? Yeah, next week. Yeah. Do you um, do you know how it's coming along? What's coming up? How you're going to be involved? Uh, nope. Yeah, I know a little yeah. bit okay. about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tell us. <laughs> um so uh, first of all i cannot wait for it we've been waiting for it for so long uh more most likely i'm so like ready for the drama production but uh i'm also currently like in the choir so like we're getting ready we're, like we got the christmas songs or and everything ready oh, yeah. so, like, excited okay so you're part of the choir um how big is the choir this year um actually considering how like usually there's usually like two choirs one is like chamber choir and another one is like senior choir this year there's only one which is like the senior choir so there's quite a few people okay. actually wow so tell me about the drama um you guys 14th my math right is that thursday um do they do it during school time in the morning afternoon i'm kind of curious as a former student how you guys do that i'm so used to these things being done on the friday morning in assembly <laughs> um it is actually you're correct because i'm a thursday your math scales are amazing so, yeah. <laughs> all right uh, all right I uh, saw so that Thursday, and yes, this one is during school hours. It's like a one something. Nice. Do you know anything yeah. about it? Like, what? What's the story? Can you tell us anything? Uh the drama production. I am not sure as much, but it's okay. uh, I know like it's something like they kind of like recreated one, like a play that they did last year, which like depicted like uh superpowers and things like heroes and like you know stuff like that it's kind of yeah right. all right the real the the real flavors of christmas <laughs> exactly <laughs> superheroes right you know yes. magic snow and all that stuff right awesome exactly yeah well we know the communication students are going to get involved in some way or another but we're not going to tell you you're going to have to find out with uh miss kayla it's going to be fun Ooh. for you yeah, that's right. We know more than you. Ha, ha. I was going to say, what, what are you doing? You're going to get Miss Kayla saying, I, no, I don't think any of the students are going to come on Miss Rumia's show yeah, here. Something for you to look forward to. It's going to be fun and busy. Um, okay, tell us what you've been up to since we last chatted. Have you been working on any interesting projects with the communications class or in other ways preparing for um, the holidays? Uh, actually, yes. Uh last week we made this commercial where we were like oh it's the holiday season we we're like asking people to like suggest like holiday season music like for the morning shows which I've, i'm actually working on one right now it's like it's, it's amazing okay oh that's cool we're, we're gonna take a listen a yeah we, we gotta welcome hear skylar as well in here skylar welcome hello hi what you how you been keeping busy We have you still? Yeah. Uh, how have you how, been how, uh, keeping busy, keeping Skylar, busy. with communications? Uh, it's been very busy. We've been <laughs> uh, we've been doing a lot of announcements, getting ready for the holiday season. Wow. And that's uh, the good stuff. That gets you the experience yeah. and the fun of being out there. Okay, go on. Also, go on are you it. part of the choir or the uh, drama production in any way, Skylar? I am part of the choir. Nice. 
Okay, so both of you will be part of the choir. I hope we can get some audio of that when time See, comes. I'm trying to find dope out all on the deal of the, 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 the play. We got a little bit, but hmm, you guys are in choir. Oh, well, we'll take yeah. that. Choir's lots of fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to play, play some audio? Yes. Okay, this is, uh, so we have two announcements that the communications class have been working on slash produced for the school. The first one is Angel Tree of Hope. Let's take a listen. Tree is up. The tree is up. Huh? Already? What tree? Uh, the one and only tree of hope. Oh, no. I've got to get going. Where are you going? Christmas shopping, of course. Didn't you already do that? Yeah, but I forgot to get some things for the angel tree of hope. Okay, I'm so confused. What is this tree you're both so excited about? Every year, we bring gifts for children of any and all ages, like gift cards, toys, and books, etc., and donate them. The gifts help to make Christmas a little brighter for kids who might not otherwise receive gifts. Yeah, the gifts get given to women and children at Nova Vida, a domestic abuse shelter, and to St. Vincent de Paul, who helps support our homeless community members here in Brantford. Yeah, and don't forget, we also send gifts to the Brantford Food Bank. That's so great. Hey, Dio, can I tag along on your shopping trip? Yeah, of course. Let's go. Hey, W. Ross, if you want to donate new gifts and gift cards to support our neighbors in need... You can bring in your unwrapped gifts and put them under the Angel Tree of Hope, located at Friends Admin. Let's help make some children's Christmases a little brighter this year. This is sweet. So have you guys gotten any donations uh, since the announcement went out? Or is it new still? Um, we've actually like you should see it. It's, it's there's a lot out there. Yeah, under the tree yes. of hope. Yes. Now, were you guys part of this project last year, or uh, is this the first time you're getting involved with the promotion of it? Um, me personally, like I'm new to the communications class, right? Uh, so like. I wasn't even sure it was a thing back then. So, like, this is new to me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and Skylar, your feelings on this one? How do you feel this went? Sounded good. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. It's... Yeah, was it, was it fun to do? Oh, sorry, I cut you off. So go ahead. So I was not involved in uh, the creation of this announcement, but um, I think it's had a very good result sounded sounded fun yeah we're doing it um well, multiple go. causes too right like you guys oh. are taking pretty much anything and everything unwrapped gifts food bank contributions mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and i think it's yeah. nice to be able to get involved in those kinds of things of course but it's nice to have somebody kind of put it the way it is and get enter people interested um let's 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 run another one guys uh let's play our holiday well, sorry holiday morning show requests let's play that one it's the announcement crew, and we're giving you a chance to choose the songs you hear on the morning shows during this holiday season. Starting now. Now? Yes, now. Like now, now? Yes, now, now. Feel free to send in song suggestions. Talk to Miss Gillen's communications class. That's Maya, Sky, Jamie, or me, Neil, for this holiday season. All nice. right, that one really nice. So let's go to each of Kyle, you want to start? What's the feel on this one for you? This one was very fun to make. Why? How were you involved in it? Yeah. Yeah, what made it so um, fun? Doing the voice recordings as well as I was the editor for this announcement. Mm. 
Good cuts. Oh. Who wrote the copy? Uh, Neo did. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, how did you feel, Neo Butter, editing? <laughs> how did you feel about what was taken out of it or what was added to it? Oh. Uh. Um, honestly, so like <laughs> when I wrote it, he like Skyler was there with me. So um, like he also like kind of suggested some things, but like at one part, um, like things like he didn't add. I was like, okay, it's fine. Like what at one part, part where it's like now, or, like now, now it's hoping like where the music will like cut and then it'll be some kind of thing where it's like a confusion thing and then music continues uh when we've kind of like understood what's going on. But Sky was like. <laughs> nah, it's kind of weird. So I was like, okay. <laughs> um, well, what made it weird? Choice. Yeah, what made it weird, Scala? What made it like say, uh, nah? Um, the music cut did not sound right where it was. <laughs> you just vetoed, right? Like you, just you got move it over. as the editor, you get that yep. uh, final say. Yeah. Nice. It's, nice, it, nice. It's fun. It's fun and takes it's it's a uh, takes that creative license to say I think this is great, but then you have to decide, hey, and together or not, you know. Well, I I don't think you know what you're doing. Well, uh -huh. <laughs> good job. Yeah, guys. you guys are good all pros job. now. You know, uh, we, yeah. we love hearing audio that you guys create, so we're gonna keep going. Okay, so this one is just festive stuff that you've put together for the school or somebody has put together for the school. Uh, the elementary math squad hot chocolate announcement. Hello, everybody. This is the elementary bath squad. Also known as the Delightful Friends Hot Chocolate Company. We'll be selling hot chocolate and cookies. On Wednesday, November 29th. At second period. A hot chocolate is $2. And for an extra 50 cents, you can get a deluxe hot chocolate. We'll be selling cookies for $1. You can find us outside of Missy's class and Miss Berardi's class. In the elementary hallway. All proceeds will go to the food bank and the Angel Tree gift campaign. You won't want to miss out on this delicious treat from... My gosh, that the, is the way tapping. too much fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. And the toes tapping, the feel was in that one for sure, guys. That's that's great. Let, let, when let's, was uh, this hot chocolate? Um, Did it already like happen? Last week. Oh, I missed yeah, out. Yeah, it, it already happened. Yeah. I I kind of missed out actually too. I was like, I was so excited to go get it, and then when I went, it was like the cookies are gone. The cookies <laughs> too. Oh my god, they should do this like every day till the end of the year. <laughs> Sounds like so That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Let's run one more, guys. Uh, let's give it a shot. Go ahead, guys, run it, and we'll talk about it after it. It's easy. Mr. Morgan's classes during the food drive. We want to help families in need. One donation barrel is in Mr. Morgan's class, and the other one is behind front administration. You can put your food items in the barrel, or we can pick them up for you. We will be collecting food until December 15. We could use non-perishable food items, including dry pasta and sauce, canned meat, canned soups and stews, 
peanut butter, canned fruits, canned vegetables, canned beans, oatmeal, crackers, and infant formula. Anything that you could donate will go a long way. We appreciate your help, WRS. Lovely. Oh, I love tremendous. the list because then we know exactly what we can bring. Yeah, what's most needed, as we know, and guys, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, you couldn't get any of that food off of Ramya. Her hands would be just too tight what? around the kid. Do I have to give it up? No, you Come can on. have the baby People formula. I don't want that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and there's certain other things that were on that list. Yeah, that I know exactly. Would, anything with raisins, oh, no, they wouldn't be on the list. Was that on Thanks, the list? Thanks, guys. I didn't pay attention. No, uh, no. <laughs> Neil Skyler, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Have a good holiday season. Be safe, have fun, and we'll chat with you in the new year, I'm sure. Yeah, to everybody yeah, at W. You. Ho, 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 guys. And remember, surprise coming your way about drama production, huh? For the oh, communications yeah. class. Oh, quit it. Yay. We're going to lose our segment if you More keep going work. on. So fun. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> All right, bye. Niangobo and Skyler, two students from the communications class with Kayla Gillen, who joined us today on our W. Ross check-in. We do this monthly on the show. So much fun hearing all the audio and things that they've been up to. And I'm sure we'll get a nice uh, review of how things went for the drama production and concert in the new year when we check in with them. After the break, we would have our parenting conversation, but we're not able to um, have... Uh, Lucia Belafonte with us today. Instead, we have Jeff Ryman. He's going to flip through some articles with us, some headlines, including the most read article on Wikipedia. Can't wait to find out what that is after the break on Kelly and Ramia. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back off the break and back into the show here. We got pretty much half an hour left with you. We had a lot of fun on today's show and a Since lot of... Since you were being miserable, teasing the kids about work. I was not. Projects, I just wanted them to know some fun stuff is coming you, their why way. Don't you, why don't you continue the miserable and say which one of those promos was your favorite? <laughs> oh, can I choose? I mean, the hot chocolate one, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, like, when is my hot chocolate coming? So I think that was the most impactful as an ad. But the copy for the other one, which one was it? The, uh... Uh, the holiday mm, morning the food show bank? request? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The morning show request, that one was mm -hmm. really fun also. They do a good yeah. job with this audio. They have fun. They have fun. I uh, I love the, the angel tree, too. I really did yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it, the only thing is, Sometimes you can tell when people have headsets on because they do the lower voice, the quieter oh, voice, yeah. because they're so loud in their own ears. Remember that? Fun for the editors, school? right? Oh, yeah. And then broadcast school, they would tell us, talk with one cup off your ear. Why? Because you're playing to what you hear in your head. <laughs> yeah. You'll have we put a more our, natural voice. When we put our AMI audio, um, uh, what was it? The play that we did, Kells. The oh. night before Christmas? No. No, no, no. Um, George. 
thinking of. That's yeah. all I'm remembering, I know. right? Oh, my good <laughs> heavens. Because we did the two terrible. of them, so I'm all mixed yeah. up now. But anyways, Marco Flalo was the uh, editor, and it was all remotely done. Everyone joined over Zoom, multiple sessions, circumstances, audio quality, and, um, you know, recording studios. And most studios. famous uh, Christmas show, and we can't remember it. No, what the heck's <laughs> wrong with us? But anyways, he had to deal with putting all that together, and he did a splendid job, knowing, Tons like, how the raw must have sounded compared oh. to... Yeah, you're right, too. So many characters. Mm. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that was, that was something else. But nice if I remembered it. Yeah. I'll think uh, about it. I'll think about it. Uh, you know, the one thing at this time of the year that I know doesn't per doesn't even stop is smoking food. There's a guy that'll stand outside east of Toronto, and he'll actually do all that stuff in the winter and then barbecue. Hello, Rhymes. How are you? I'm good, Kelly. Uh, yes, Am I right? I will barbecue. You're, you're yeah. dead right. I in mean, your shorts, right? Like, you talk about this often. You guys know me too well. <laughs> I did that yesterday. Uh, I went to the store, found there was a sale on pork chops, and was out there in my shorts and barbecuing pork chops <laughs> for dinner. And now, so, do you smoke them usually or just do that? Because they're beautiful you know smoke. That's what got me eating them. Smoked I've never pork smoked Ooh. pork chops. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's something that I would oh. like to do, though. I think yeah. I, I've smoked other uh, cuts of pork, obviously ribs. Um, mm. Pulled pork I've made, obviously. Um, there's a couple other things that I've made, but I've never done the pork chops. I feel like I, I, I sort of veered away from pork chops for the last couple of years. But for some reason, I, I bought some that were on sale, and then I kind of have re-fallen in love. Maybe I ate them too much as a kid. So That's what I, that's what I would do. Uh, that right? would do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I got turned off of them, and my mother got so angry because I didn't like the way W. Ross did them. That is one oh, thing no. that my mother went actually into the into the kitchen on one visit and said, what do you guys do? The boy won't even eat potatoes anymore, and he won't eat boy, pork chop. What's wrong with you The people? only thing you'll eat is Red River cereal. Oh, wait, that's, that's good. Right. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Shaq's the one that just puts his hand up and says, oh, God, no. Um, yeah, Rhymes, I, 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 give it a chance. You smoke them up. I think you'll really, oh, oh, that'll get you yeah. back to them. Because that's what got me to eat them. Yeah, um, absolutely. You're at AMI, hanging out with uh, with everybody there. You're going to also do a segment for us, as Lucia is unavailable today. Uh, we wish her the best. She's a little under the weather, so get well. But take it easy, Lucia, and we'll get that at segment when you feel better. Um, Jeff, what would you like to what would you like to talk about here for some headlines? Yeah, the first one uh, sort of came across the the news wire, I believe, over the last twenty four hours, and of course, it has to do with sports, but more on a serious note. Um, the International Ice Hockey Federation is making neck guards mandatory at all levels now. Previously, they were only mandatory at the U-20 tournaments and the U-18 tournaments. This has now expanded to the Olympics for both men's and women's. So right across the IIHF um, Federation, it's going to be mandatory to wear a neck guard. This doesn't uh, include the NHL, obviously, who's its own entity and league. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL did make this mandatory. And this obviously piggybacks off to off the, uh, the, the the brutal story that came out about a month mm -hmm. ago. The death in England. Um, yeah. The death in England by Adam Johnson, um, you know, get, getting the, the skate blade to the neck and it not oh. ending well. So... Um, you know, it, 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 this really got me thinking, and, and it's something that I think I'm going to put on my Christmas list is 
um, a neck guard or even more so um, they now have um, so typically under your hockey equipment you wear like an under armor sort of uh, um, you know quick dry type uh, t-shirt but now they've sort of made these into neck guards as well so it, you're basically going to be wearing the quick dry stuff underneath but it's almost like a turtleneck that comes up and i, I right. have noticed some nhl players have already taken to this i think there's going to be a huge trend um seeing those professional players adapt to this now there's going to be some of those guys that are going to be absolutely no way they're going to do this i mean there's still some guys out there playing without visors yeah <laughs> um, god bless them but you know there are some of those traditionalists that are aren't going to feel comfortable wearing these neck guards but uh yeah i mean it, it, this is pretty big news um having the double ihf come out and saying that at all levels of play you have to wear a neck guard and i think it's rightfully so and like i said for me personally playing in this beer league um i don't typically see people wear neck guards but i wouldn't be surprised over the next little bit especially with christmas around the corner mm -hmm. i got a brand new helmet last year i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if i found a, a neck guard or at least a t-shirt or a shirt that has a neck guard attached to it uh, and, under the christmas tree this year and if not you'll be going out on boxing day for sure uh, jeff can you describe what does the neck guard look like like how does that actually work is it uh, i i pictured a, a fairly inclusive um collar but i'm assuming it's primarily right around the front like a c yeah yeah so it, it's um it, it varies when i was younger it was mandatory to wear neck guards i think as long as you're playing minor hockey so i believe that's 16 and under 18 and under whatever it is in canada um mine was just like a velcro attachment um it, it's basically just a, a neck piece that you put around your neck it's yeah. maybe about uh, an inch thick um or at least long um it covers the majority of your neck um and it's much like a necklace it just goes right around your neck you strap it around uh, i would say it is not the most comfortable it was always annoying because it was one of those things that you'd easily forget to put back into your hockey bag um, yes. But obviously, it did its job. There's a reason for it, and there's a reason why kids uh, grew up having to wear one. I believe once you got to major junior, as at a certain point, uh, you didn't have to wear it. I think that's now the case in the CHL. Um, and I guess, like I said, it's not mandatory in the NHL yet, but I'm sure it will be. But yeah, it, it's basically just um, a small neck piece that you just put around your neck, and it protects you. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, hockey is a pretty heavily equipped game to begin with, or a sport. To begin with right you're wearing a lot of stuff already and um i can understand on just like the level of for blind soccer uh, there's something called a halo halo's is a particular brand but basically it's a concussion band that's becoming mm. more and more used in blind soccer because it's one of the most concussive sports um para sports but people are not about it right like when we went to yeah. san diego uh for the canada v u.s friendly tournament uh nobody on the u.s team was wearing it and people would kind of scoff at the idea because it's not yet mandatory and as you said jeffy traditionalists people are like i'm not gonna put that on my head no thanks um, but you know like the more we talk about safety and the more safety should be talked about in sports period the the better we need to get at actually just making these protocols a thing like making it mandatory mandating yeah mandating them exactly and you know i don't really care if people don't want to put them on it's a matter of safety it's a matter of life or death in some of these cases and uh you know preventing just totally preventable injuries that's what yep. it usually it happens right because years ago this has always been the thing every 
development of something for safety, yeah. something it comes on the heels of obviously in, massive injury, usually death, when it comes to some of the, the sports, whether it be Contact football, sports. hockey, basketball. The reality is you need it or you're jolting. Like even if it's not supposed to be contact, things yeah, happen yeah. like basketball, like people get elbows in the face and bust their or orbital bones and people have to wear the mask after that. And there's so many things you stop and say, well, what are you going to do? Why, why don't we do this beforehand? And we're told, but there's always, I don't care if you're new at the sport and yeah. claiming, yeah, but it's uncomfortable. Oh, I've played for years like this. You'll hear the same. It's a it's a mentality thing people have. Sometimes aesthetic, somebody who's like just scared, the most ridiculous things. Yeah. Oh, because they just don't want it. It's it's no different than someone who wouldn't go to a sleep clinic because oh, I can't sleep with all that stuff hooked up to me. You're the only person on the planet, of course, that can't, right? But it's so silly, and people get really and crazy until they see something horrible like this right in front of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or it, it's incredible. And, and this is something that is going to continue, um, you know, to be in the discussion. Like I said, I, I don't think it's it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when neck when? guards are going to come in For to sure. play oh, yeah. and be mandated in the NHL. Um, it's but you have like to take time, don't you, Jeff? Like, I remember the yeah, days oh, of yeah. no helmets in hockey, That's like right. you were just going to say. Oh, I remember how many players didn't have, I remember, and that was early 80s yeah okay but okay, can you imagine having this conversation dying, now well there were people dying in the nhl in the 30s and 40s from not having it yeah 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 it's incredible to see how the evolution of the sport uh you know it, it's how it's kind long? of crazy yeah it's kind of crazy to think about you know 50 years ago maybe not even 50 years ago there were people um not wanting to wear helmets exactly. uh they they obviously grandfather all these rules in oh. um and and some people will take it right to their retirement of not look, having to wear a helmet and now you see look, it with the i no used to bicycle as a blind person and i used to play hockey and well not hockey so much but skate all the time with no helmets like we it wasn't yeah. what we it did was normal, yeah. as, as children. It was we didn't know any better. That's the years of people getting in the back of pickup trucks before it became a law and riding. You'd get a bunch of people together, and it was regular to find mm -hmm. people riding in the back of pickup trucks. Still is in that. lots of countries. Oh, God. yes, yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems like a no-brainer. Like I said, it, it'll it'll come in the next couple of years. Uh, because I do want to brighten the mood just a little bit with a couple just minutes a left here. Uh, just a little bit. And this is something that we typically talk about, I think, right around our Christmas show. Um, mainly with Google Trends and their news in their search engine. But I found one with Wikipedia. Uh, the most popular articles that people have uh, turned to Wikipedia for. Mm -hmm. um, so... Any guesses as to what the trend was on Wikipedia this year? And it had 84 billion views, I might add. Any guesses? What, like one article had 84 billion? Yeah. Oh, Or I guess when shoot. you Google something or you, you look on Wikipedia, what was like the, the number one I don't trend? know, AI, ChatGPT? Yeah, yeah okay. that's it. Ding, ding, 84 ding. 84 billion views um, was about ChatGPT. The second most read article in 2023 was the annual list of deaths, including, uh, sadly, friend star Matthew Perry. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley was another big one. 
Um, the highly anticipated 2023 Cricket World Cup took third place. Who would have thunk? I knew cricket was big, but the third in the entire world of things that people turn to Wikipedia for um, is is quite interesting. So, yeah, chat GPT, I mean, this is probably going to be one of the biggest news stories. And I can almost guarantee if we were to do this segment again with the Google searches, you're probably going to have chat GPT or some sort of AI um, involved in that search engine as well. So chat GPT, a, a huge, huge story in 2023. I'm not going to lie. Just going to Wikipedia as a source, oh, I, I've fallen off. Like I've fallen yeah. off doing that habitually. I've now yeah. almost skip over Wikipedia. Like if it's the first three or four, um, what do you call it? Things that come up in a Google search, Wikipedia yep. as a source, I kind of skip over it and go to other things. Now I just go straight to ChatGPT, whatever. But yeah. uh, do you guys go to Wikipedia still? Uh, I, I do if it comes up, um, be, just just because. But I'm very aware people write to that and it could yeah. be you know anything that's there and it needs people to like it's add editable. for now mm -hmm. until chat gpt gets a hold of that and and yeah. things do get worked out that way yeah i'm i'm the same way usually what happens is i google something and then if i see them i'll go on their wikipedia page and just like to browse and peruse like typically my thing is if i'm watching a tv show or a movie um i'll google something and if the cast member comes up and their wikipedia is there typically i click on that look right. at their disco disc discography their filmography uh you know stuff like that um but yeah like, like kelly said and like what you alluded to around it's maybe not the most uh efficient way of of it's looking things up in depth to a degree definitely not yeah. the most reliable for sure so but i mean it's still getting a ton of use clearly 84 billion views oh, just for yeah. one article about chat gpt but yeah i think you know, it's, really it's, no it's surprise. trusted by people in a different way even though it says clearly at the top uh, and at the bottom that it looks for people to add to it or to correct this and that it, it's definitely got its own disclaimers when when you look at it yeah. but i think it's what so many people various ages various parts of the world people we still have just go to. i mean if you don't contribute. do it in a lazy way if you go to wikipedia and then you check out the sources because of course people are still citing things uh mm -hmm. and, or if you're doing it properly you should be properly, citing yeah. so you could go into the citations and go there but then i'm thinking oh might as well just go to another google search then and use yeah, the sources well, from and, there and, the, and but and our problem is though you, you know things are still calling upon chat gpt can still call upon things from wikipedia to make it so, so you still could have but yes, I honestly think it's yeah, just laziness because you know you it, have the um, web, the what is it called snippet on Google? Yum. Like it'll just give you a quick snippet of an answer. Sometimes I just check that out and go, "Yep, that's my fact." Well, that's right. Really, always got a cross reference. And Jeff just going to use the. We're well, just going to use the reliable sources over there at Sports Illustrated, right, Jeff, for your sports now? All those, <laughs> yeah. all those made-up writers? Yeah, the made-up writers at uh, Sports Illustrated ahead. I'd like to speak That's to right. writer so-and-so. Oh, would you? Well, maybe they'll get back to you when our chat GPT gets together. Oh, what? <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, pal. Anytime, guys. See you later. Jeff Ryman in the office, uh, filling in, helping us cover off for Lucia. Yeah. Reasonable replacement, but mm. you know nothing like the genuine article, of course. Uh, but we'll get Lucia on the program when we can. She has a wonderful topic. We'll try to slide her into a, another slot here uh, when we have a, when she's feeling better.
Fingers crossed. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and, of course, wrap the show with you. We're getting to the end of this episode. We got a teaser for Now with Dave Brown, what they've got coming up on the Wednesday morning edition of the show on AMI-tv, and a closing moment. I think you guys are going to like this strange holiday. I can bet on it. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Absolutely so many conversations for you to go check back in on your favorite podcast platform. You can, of course, share the segments out as well. The full show uh, podcast always comes with a vanity card tacked to the end. I've got today's, and it's about makeup, so that'll be fun. And mm -hmm. we, um, you can find us anywhere. Kelly and Rumia, just go to your favorite podcast platform, and we will be there under your search. Kelly, we want to tell people what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown tomorrow morning. That's 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv, and that's when they go live, also available on podcast. But what do they have coming up? Already midweek, ladies and gentlemen, on their program, yeah. just like ours. We'll tell you about ours shortly. New researchers out of the University of Calgary shows that several Canadian cities, wait for this, folks, it's going to be a real surprise, are not accessible. Oh! <gasps> We'll speak to one of the authors of this report tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown. Tenants throughout Toronto are leading a rent strike against some of the county's largest corporate landlords. Tenant Charlene Henry will provide some insight on this particular issue. And the season for post-secondary applications has arrived. Okay. Elizabeth Muller, she will be here to give you some advice on what you can do to make your work Stand out. That's uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow on AMI-tv, now with Dave Brown. That is some good advice that'll come from Elizabeth Moeller. And she's been in school for a while and has a lot of different experience with the, uh, I guess, different um, post-secondary institutions as well and graduate institutions and such. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that conversation. Well, I'm looking forward, especially on the heels of uh, you and Day uh, just passing uh, for you and with persons with disabilities yeah. uh, on a lot of the inaccessible cities as the conversation Danielle had the other day. So mm -hmm. looking so forward to that. Oh, gosh, that was a really, really good convo. And um, we have our midweek Christmas party tomorrow. That's going to be fun. So you'll be with me here in person in Toronto. Yep. Well, Is that still yep, true? On the show. Yeah. Nice. Well, unless something happens, like they send the food here to me, then we then have maybe so I'll many people that we can't even accommodate everybody. Like you'll be here with me in studio. Grant's going to be on the show, but behind a wall because he can't fit in here. And Beth's going to be here, but we can't even put her on the show because there's not enough space. Can't like, fit in here. What the heck? You know what I mean. There's not enough table space. Technically accommodate. <laughs> okay, folks. it's not getting any better. <laughs> the way Jeffy is. Yeah, exactly. Behind a wall, <laughs> but still on camera. Um, here's the strange unofficial holiday I wanted to feature today. I think you guys are going to like this one, maybe even more than put the blame on someone else day or whatever it was called that for I featured sure. last week. Okay. Ice cream mm -hmm. for breakfast day. We missed it again. Oh, the first Saturday in February. So I guess you can look to the one coming up. So this one was created by Florence Rappaport of Rochester, New York. She started Ice Cream for Breakfast Day in the 1960s. Why is it the only time I'm hearing about it? 
and it was cold and snowy one day. The kids were complaining that it was too cold to do anything. So she said, let's have ice cream for breakfast, as you would, of course, say that as a mother. As a mother um, told Washington Post, and her two youngest children have been reminding her of this special day ever since they spread the family tradition when they went to college. And now ice cream for breakfast day became the subject of newspaper articles around the world with celebrations taking place in Israel and England and South Africa and New Zealand. Just a wonderful, wonderful time because we can all have ice cream for breakfast together. Now, yes, I know, so loving and beautiful and wintry. Have you had ice cream for breakfast, Kels? No, but I'm thinking of it with a waffle. That makes it more breakfast. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. You know what? We've yeah. If you've had waffles with ice cream for breakfast, then we've technically done it. Yeah. Have you had birthday cake for breakfast? No, chocolate cake. Uh, did I say that? My mother would consider herself a bad mom if it was chocolate cake. Excuse me? <laughs> so bad yes. mom. My mom would say, you can't have chocolate cake. No. But we've had no it, ice right? cream for yeah. breakfast. No yeah. chocolate yeah. cake. No. Yeah, all right. On tomorrow's show, when we come back with some truthful, honest conversation of whether we had cake for breakfast or not, uh, we're going to wind up the year. Financial advisor Ryan Chin is going to talk about why we need a financial advisor. And lots more on the program. Our community report with Vic Perra on the show, too. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll catch you then. Certain aspects of putting makeup on my own face still make me quite nervous. But, you know, I have a bit of a strategy to boost my confidence. And it's to think back at parts of putting on makeup that I used to think was intimidating and now are just absolutely regular chill, not at all second-guessing if it's going to turn out good or not, parts of makeup. For example, I am terrified of putting on liquid eyeliner. It The way that it hits your eyeline and it's all wet and cold and I'm thinking, oh god, it's definitely dripping all over the place. I don't even know what the hell is going on. And when I expressed this to my mom, she's like, no, it's just like a pen, it might feel different, but you're going to do a, the same as if you were using a gel or something else. So just try it. And I tried it, and she said it looked fine. I'm still nervous about it, but I think back to when I used to think putting on mascara was a chore or putting on concealer on certain parts of my face was a chore. You know, you got to use the contour lines or the highlight lines. I don't know the actual terminology. And I used to think that was a chore. In fact, I used to think putting on gel eyeliner was an impossible task. So, not to mention lipstick and all this other stuff. So anyway, what I'm saying is back when I was very, very, very new to makeup and applying it on myself without a mirror, without any kind of visual feedback, I used to think, oh God, this is absolutely impossible. I would never be able to put this on myself maybe something uniform like foundation but that's it but I've uh I've really stepped up and come a long way so this is more of a confidence boosting message for you if you're like this is a new task this is a lot of work I don't know well think back to that first step or that second step or that third step that now feels like second nature that used to be so intimidating and think you know If we just repeat, we'll get there with this one as well.
Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Juita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.